There's some good news for next-generation vaccines. Berlin scientists have developed a COVID-19 vaccine in the form of a nasal spray that induces a unique immune response. That's according to a study published in Nature Microbiology. They studied the vaccine in hamsters, but found that it actually had better protection than mRNA and traditional vaccines. This is Pulse Check. I'm Ben Leonard. The Florida Senate has approved a proposed ban on abortion after six weeks of pregnancy, with two Republicans opposing the bill. The bill would ban most abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, with exceptions for when the life of the pregnant person is at risk, and exemptions of up to 15 weeks for victims of rape, incest, and human trafficking. The bill still has to clear the state house before going to Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. And New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy signed an executive order ending the COVID-19 vaccine requirement for workers in congregate settings, with the exception of healthcare workers. The order also ended COVID testing requirements for unvaccinated workers in congregate settings, including healthcare facilities. And doctors working on the National Institutes of Health Recover Study of the Long-Term Effects of Long COVID warned that the federal government has to do more to help the millions of affected Americans. Krista Marr joins me to explain what the researchers say should be done to address the issue. Hey, Ben. How are you? So tell me a little bit more about this NIH Recover Study. What do they hope to find out? It's a very large study that NIH launched in 2021. And basically, they are trying to figure out how, you know, long COVID, as we sort of colloquially call it, is showing up in people, how it's impacting people, and just try to get a picture of what's going on in the country. So they've established several different hubs around the country that are enrolling patients, they're enrolling adults, they're enrolling pediatric patients, and they're enrolling pregnant patients in the study to see what's happening, you know, in the how people are experiencing long COVID. What are doctors saying about how the federal government has been responding to long COVID and why are they asking them to do more? So a coalition of the principal investigators of the hubs that run this study for NIH got together and put out a call to action. And they said, okay, we have gotten going on this, but now we are three years into this pandemic and there are millions of Americans who are impacted by this. And we need to come up with like the next phase of our plan for treating long COVID. Because right now, there isn't really sort of standard of care. There's not official treatment guidelines. And there isn't a really coordinated response from the federal government as to what treatment for all of these people should look like. So what they are saying is, okay, this is terrific. We've made this investment in the recover study to figure out what's going on. Let's take the next step and invest money in setting up kind of hubs for treatment around the country to make sure that people can get the care they need. Are there potential consequences for not providing sufficient support for people with long COVID? There was a study from the CDC that said one in five adults had some kind of long-term impact from a COVID infection. So you think about that and you think about the fact that long COVID for a lot of people is like manifesting itself 
in a kind of like really debilitating way where they are tired and they, they're calling in sick to work. So, I mean, there's like a couple of huge impacts, right? I mean, first of all, there's the impact on people's just lives and quality of life. Second, there's like the impact on our healthcare system and people sort of repeatedly having to seek care from GPs, from, you know, emergency rooms in some cases, from specialists. And then there's also the impact on the economy, frankly. If you have a large chunk of the population that now has a kind of chronic condition that may or may not continue to last, we don't really know how long this goes on for, you can imagine it's going to have an economic impact on the country. And some of the recent research has found that Black and Hispanic Americans were more likely to have long COVID symptoms and health issues than white Americans, but were less likely to actually be diagnosed with it. Did the researchers say why and if there's anything that can be done about it? Part of the problem that I've heard also in my reporting is that the treatment that exists now is generally kind of clustered at these very like highly specialized clinics that are in a few parts of the country, usually in big cities, and takes a lot of resources to get there. First of all, like maybe you're in the big city, maybe you're not. Maybe you can take time off of work to go see the 15 doctors that will eventually get you to this specialized clinic and maybe Maybe you can't. As a result, the doctors that I talked to who were working at these clinics said that a lot of the patients that they ended up seeing were white, were of kind of socioeconomic means that they had the time and flexibility to kind of commit to this like extensive healthcare process and the insurance to cover all of it. And so I think that they were worried, people I was talking to months ago, they were worried that other communities that were impacted by this equally weren't getting the care that they needed. And I think that this call to action of setting up these hubs around the country would help address that because it would kind of decentralize long COVID treatment from these few specialized places to like a more kind of geographically distributed hub that in theory would be better equipped to help more people. So what have the investigators called for Congress to do to improve the quality of life for long COVID patients? So what they have suggested is that they say that Congress should earmark $37.5 million in the next fiscal year funding so that the HRSA can do a kind of bidding process to set up these things that they call long COVID centers of excellence. So that's kind of what they would like to see. So they would like to see the government call for people to apply for this money and they set up these centers of excellence that then become these kind of like hubs of long COVID care. And they say, you know, maybe those are the places that are already participating in the recover study, or maybe they're not, maybe they're other places. And at these theoretical centers of excellence, they would be, you know, training more doctors, they would be doing outreach to the community, you know, EMS and ER doctors and urgent care staff and nurses at schools to like, learn about long COVID and learn how to treat it all with an eye on kind of like trying to expand the number of people that can get treated. And then another thing that they would like to see happen with that 37.5 million is actually kind of creating like a national database and dashboard that really shows what is going on with people in different places with the condition. And what do we expect the odds could be for more COVID funding from Congress, particularly on long COVID? I know they've been a little bit hesitant to do more additional COVID funding in the past. 
Well, we do know that there has been some, you know, discussion of long COVID bills and some kind of bipartisan support for long COVID in the previous Congress. Whether this manages to get into all of Congress's competing priorities right now, I think that remains to be seen. It's always a mystery how the budget process works. Indeed. Thanks so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ben. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese and Afra Abdullah are our producers. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tine, Beth Felton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Ben Leonard. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.